Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Limitless Estates, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family by using real estate as your vehicle. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Today on the show, we have Yona Weiss. Yona, thanks so much for being here. How's it going? It is a pleasure to be with you guys today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. Before we get into the interview, here's a little bit about Jonah. Yona is a powerhouse with property owners tax savings. As business director at Madison Specs, a national cost segregation leader, he has assisted clients in saving tens of millions of dollars on taxes through cost segregation. He has a background in teaching and a passion for real estate and helping others. Listeners, stay tuned. Our focus today will be on what every real estate investor should know about cost segregation. So Yona, could you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Sure. I mean, I think you uh, you pretty much uh, covered up uh, covered it. What you know, what we uh, what we're doing. I like you mentioned. I have a background in teaching. I really enjoy and and really has flowed over into my role with Madison Specs. You know, just teaching about conservation. I found that most people just don't know what it is, and there's so many questions surrounding it that I kind of my role with this company has really developed into, you know, on the business, business direct business development team really turned into teaching, you know, and, and just kind of, you know, coming on podcasts like yours speaking and, you know, just helping clients understand everything that they, they need to know and kind of clear up all of these, um, you know, questions that people have. So, you know, that's, uh, that's what I do. Awesome. Thanks for that. So what is cost segregation and how does it work? So cost segregation is a really weird name. Okay. So let's first clear that up, right? Let's describe what that is. So cost, right, is the cost of a building. Segregation is actually breaking down or separating out into parts the depreciation of the property. Okay. So depreciation is a great tax deduction. It's income tax deduction. Everyone gets, everyone knows what that is. Okay. If you have, you own a commercial property, an investment property, business property, as long as it's not your personal residence, any property that you own, the IRS gives you a tax deduction based on the value of that property the day that you bought it. Okay. Really not even the value, the actual purchase price, the amount of money that was used to purchase the property. And that gives you over the next 27 and a half years, if it's a residential multifamily property, a small tax deduction every single year from that property. If it's a commercial property, over a 39 year period. So that's depreciation, okay, in a nutshell. And it's a really great incentive the government gives real estate investors to invest, to put more money into real estate. And they say, hey, if you do this, we will give you a tax deduction for free, okay? You, you get this as long as you hold the property, as long as you own this property. Cost segregation is like a much more intense version of, of depreciation. It's breaking it down into different and faster lives. 
saying, hey, there's actually stuff in the building that depreciates over a five-year period and not 27 years. And stuff outside the building depreciates over 15 years, meaning I can take the entire value, the cost of whatever that asset is, segregate it out, again, using this weird terminology, how they got it, right? And, and depreciate that, take those deductions over a five-year period, as opposed to spreading the whole thing over such a long period. Okay. And is what you're talking about there bonus depreciation, or is that a little bit different? Oh, so yeah. So the bonus depreciation is a new law that came uh, with the recent tax reform in 2017, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which allows you to take in the first year of ownership anything that depreciates less than 20 years. So let's just back up a little bit and talk about what these categories, what these depreciation things are. Okay. So the main two categories that we're talking about discussing in accelerating depreciation or getting more depreciation in the early years is number one, personal property, what's called, um, or tangible property, which includes anything in the building that's not part of the structure. And that depreciates over five years. So think about things like, you know, fixtures, furniture, appliances, even carpeting, because it's not part of the structure. Okay. Um, you know, if you have, um, I don't know, security systems or lighting fixtures, even special purpose plumbing and things like that depreciate over five years. So all that value you can get, it's a huge amount. It could be 10, 20, 30% sometimes of the value of the property in five years. And 15 years is the second biggest category, which includes land improvements, right? So think about anything outside the building, landscaping, uh, fencing, pavement, curb, you have a parking lot. That parking lot actually costs money and is worth a lot. Believe me, pavement's worth a lot. You could get that depreciation in 15 years or with this bonus depreciation that you mentioned, get it all in the first year. So it's a huge incentive to take um, you know, big chunk deductions in the first year. Okay, and so why is it beneficial to take everything up front instead of maybe spreading it out over five years? Right, or even, or even 27 years right. for that matter, right? Um, this is a great question. The main reason is, is it's your money, right? It's your money. You made the money. Now, the IRS and the government wants you to pay taxes, okay? But if they give you an incentive and they say, you don't have to pay these taxes right now, uh, you can pay them later or at a, a longer period of time, then it's your money. You probably know what to do with it better than the IRS does, okay? So it's really cash flow, okay? And paying less taxes, time value of money. Sure, you might be spreading it out over a longer period of time and taking less deductions, but over that time, you're going to be paying taxes on your own money. So that's how I like to think of it, just keeping your own money in your pocket for as long as you can. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about depreciation catch-up and how that works? Sure. Um, when you buy a building, you get depreciation from the day that you buy it, okay? Now, if you buy a building today in 20, 2019, Okay, you're under contract for a building right now. Okay, if, once you close on that from the date of your property uh, closing, that's when you get depreciation and you'll either take it straight line. Let's say you're taking it what we call straight line depreciation, which means let's say you're buying it for a million dollars. Okay, every single year you'll get about $30,000 of a tax write off over the next 27 years. That's the breakdown, that's the percentage. If you didn't do cost irrigation, you can actually retroactively catch up on that depreciation that you missed, right? So 
let's just take uh, the numbers. 20% of the building you can get in five years, say $200,000 of that million, right? You can get that in five years, but if you took only 30,000 for the first three years, so you have an extra, you know, you only took 90,000, you have an extra 110,000 that you missed, you can get that all in one year, okay? That's what we call catch-up depreciation, retroactively getting what you had missed in uh, the accelerated depreciation. Okay. Does that make sense? <laughs> Absolutely. And so also when you sell the property, you're going to have to pay, is it called catch up on the back end as well? Or, um, or you're going to have to pay for that uh, depreciation, right? At the, at the end when you sell. Oh, correct. Right. So there's a tax when you sell a property called depreciation recapture. Recapture. Like, capture the flag, right? Like they, they're getting it back, the IRS. Now it doesn't mean that the IRS is going to take back all the depreciation that you use, what it means is now when you sell a property, you have to pay a tax on the amount of depreciation that you took. Okay. okay. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, sure. Um, so it's usually capped at 25%, which means that if your you know, marginal income tax rate is much higher than that, 39%, let's say at 35%, you're anyways going to be you know, not paying those taxes uh, in the years that you took the depreciation, right? So you're basically getting a big spread on, on that money, right? And it's your own money. Again, it's not like you're, you're, you're taking you know, extra money from the IRS and then you're gonna have to pay back more later. No, it's your money in the first place that you made. So you keep more of it. When you paid in, on the sale of a property, you're gonna have to pay back um, whatever a tax on the amount that you took. However, if you do a 1031 exchange, which is a very common thing to do, then you defer those taxes even further, similar to uh, the capital gains tax. Okay. And is it true that you have to pay the recapture whether you take the depreciation or not? That's correct. Yeah, you can't, the IRS considers it if you as if you took depreciation, even if for whatever genius reason you decided not to take those deductions. Okay. Yeah. So it's important just to take them, right? Because uh, either yeah. way, you're going to have to pay at the end. Exactly. And really you're obligated to take it. Just the IRS is not going to like come after you for not taking extra deductions. Right. Okay. <laughs> so for, for a passive investor, what kind of questions do they ask, be asking a sponsor that's kind of setting up an investment just to make sure it's set up for success when it comes to cost segregation? Well, I think the, you know, the best question is, do you have a tax advisor? You know, who's your tax advisor? And, and really this is what comes down to because there's so many um, tax incentives for real estate investors like cost segregation that they want to make sure that you're in good hands. So is it something that you are considering doing? You know, that obviously that's a question. Is cost segregation something you're considering doing on this property? If yes, you know, that's great. If not, why not? You know, maybe there are some other reasons at play um, that would not be beneficial. For example, if someone is investing from an IRA account, okay, the IRA account is not taxable. So they don't get depreciation benefits on that money. You know, if every, the entire property is purchased through IRA investors, there's, there's zero benefit for getting depreciation or extra depreciation. Uh, got it. Interesting. Okay. So do you have any success stories you can share with us on a property that greatly benefited from cost segregation? Oh, there are so many, I mean, dozens on a daily basis. You know, we did over uh, close to 2000 studies in 2018 alone. And, uh, you know, we've, I'll just take an example. You know, we have, um, I'm sure he won't mind me mentioning his name on the podcast here, but one of our close um, clients, Kenny Wolf is uh, he, 
you know, he just, he loves it. And he actually interviewed our tax director a couple of weeks ago on his show. And, you know, he came off saying that the properties that we just did for him, you know, his investors are getting 30 to 50%, um, you know, a tax return on their investment. Yeah, it's awesome. And so how does the cost segregation process work? Is it, you know, do we contact you? Do you come out to the property? How does that kind of work from start to be start to end? The first thing that we do is we'll always run a free estimate, which is basically an analysis and upfront without going to the properties, just from our knowledge of, you know, what properties should look like, what the ta potential tax benefits would be. And that's for free. And that's, you know, worthwhile to do just so you can get an understanding of it and see, you know, what those numbers are. The second thing is, then we will actually send an engineer to the property to perform the study. We have, uh, you know, 13 full-time engineers on staff. So we'll send them anywhere across the nation. Wherever, when, when they come to the property, they'll take pictures. They'll go walk the entire property to see everything. Make sure they're getting all the benefits, finding all the fixtures, you know, all the square footage of carpeting, the square footage of the pavement, everything. To make sure you're getting the maximum benefit. Then they'll come back and take all those findings, prepare a full study, which is you know, 80, 90, 100 pages long, which includes great detail into what they found and all the sourcing to the tax code um, that's in there, what said set you up um, for success. Okay. And so are there any downsides to uh, cost segregation at all? I think the one thing we mentioned is, you know, the potential depletion recapture tax. But again, uh, as a lot of accountants that I work with or their clients have told me and continue to tell me that the, the time value of money is more important than anything. So that's one downside, but it, again, it's not such a big downside. Another downside might be if you don't need it, right? Many, many people think, oh, I have to do consideration on every property, right? It's, even if it's a small part, whatever. It's not true. If you don't need extra tax deductions, I have, I have some friends that they have very large families, right? That they, thank God, they have a lot of children, they're getting tax credits from other children. They have, you know, major businesses with tons of expenses. They're not even paying income tax to begin with because they have so many expenses, so many deductions, just getting it for the sake of doing it. It's not worth it. If you don't need those extra deductions to make sure you're paying, you know, cutting down your tax liability, there's really no need to do it. Yeah. I think that works with 1031 exchange, right? A lot of people think they need to 1031 exchange, but especially now with these deductions with bonus depreciation and cost segregation, you may have enough write-offs to where you don't need to do a 1031, correct? Exactly. Exactly. And you need, really need to, I mean, all of it, you need to discuss with your tax advisor because every single person's situation is unique. Okay. And so would there be any reason for a sponsor not to do a cost segregation in today's market? Um, number one reason would be if it's a very short hold, okay? If it's a flip or they're planning on holding it for only a year or two, then there's very, you know, the, the benefits are going to be very minimal. Uh, if it's a flip and they're holding it for less than a year, they can't even legally do it. Well, I wouldn't say they can't legally do it, but it's not going to be very beneficial because they're, you know, they're taxed at a different rate and, you know, because of the business income as opposed to the residential uh, property income. So there's going to be much less benefit there. Okay. That's, yeah, go ahead. No, no, that's, that's really the main reason why not. Okay. And then the bonus depreciation, does that end in 2023? Is that right? Am I getting that yeah. right? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, as, as the tax reform stated, this is in effect from 2018 until 2023, whether it will continue after that or not is, you know, at this point, we don't know. 
Okay. And is that if you purchase the property in 2023, are you still getting advantage of that or taking advantage of that? There's, or do you have to actually do the study in 2023? No, you can do the study, um, you know, anytime. Uh, it's just, you can only get reap those benefits of the bonus depreciation in the first year, um, first year of tax filing. Okay. So yeah, it, from 2023, it's actually going to start being less. It's not going to be 100% bonus. You're only going to be able to get, I think in 2023, 80%. And then the next year, only 60%. And it's going to go down from there. Got it. Okay. And at what point should a sponsor be getting you involved when it comes to cost segregation? Let's just say they purchase a building, you know, today. Uh, at what point are they getting you involved? Uh, I like to, you know, get, start the conversation at least even, you know, when a person has a property under contract or at the very least once they've closed on the property so they can see those benefits, the potential benefits that are there. And then once you plan on, you know, once you purchase the property, that's an ideal time to get it set up, even though, you know, it's really only going to uh, affect you for next year's taxes, it's still a good idea to just get set up, get out of the way. Um, because the engineer seeing the property as it is the day that you bought it is really going to provide more benefit for the property, uh, as opposed to looking at it maybe a year later, maybe there were changes that were done. Maybe there was, um, you know, things have aged more in that time. And there are certain things that can be uh, beneficial getting the engineer in right away. Okay. And so let's just say you're going to put a half a million dollars into the property, rehab it. Do you want to wait to do the cost segregation until after you've done those upgrades? Just say if you're going to do them in the first six to eight months, would it be beneficial to wait? Not necessarily. Um, the reason why is, you know, if it's done in the same tax year, meaning if you purchase the property and do those renovations in the same tax year. So the IRS kind of looks at it like it's all really one purchase and all that money that basis is really the same. So there's not a tremendous amount of benefit that can be, that can be had in getting a consultation done you know, later on, as opposed to right away. Um, the money that's spent on the renovations can be added to the basis. And, you know, an engineer can look at that amount of money put in and allocate that appropriately um, to get the tax benefit from it. So yeah, it's, it's something that a lot of people do actually before and after. Um, they'll do a consultation before, once they purchase the property, and then a renovation study, uh, looking at that property after the renovations have been done, have the engineer come back a second time. Uh, but that's really best accomplished when those renovations were done, or at least part of them were done in a, in a, a separate tax year. Okay. Got it. And I know, you know, you can get into the weeds with all these questions, but is there anything else okay. I didn't really ask or, or from a high level you want anyone else to know about cost segregation? Um, yeah, I think something really important uh, to note is like I mentioned very, you know, um, just on the side note before, it's not for every single property, meaning the, the benefit, the tax benefit is proportional to the purchase price. Okay. So if it's a smaller property, let's say the single family property or a smaller um, property less than, let's say, a half a million dollars purchase for that, there's, there's not going to be tremendous amount of benefit there. And even after, until it's a million dollars, I don't really push it and tell people, hey, this is something you really should do because the benefits are minimal. And, you know, I'm happy to run the numbers, like, like I showed you as well, that you can see those numbers, right? You can take a look and see what those potential benefits will be. But since it's proportional, the amount of money you put in, you'll see very clearly that, you know, less than 500,000, it's going to be it's going to be very minimal and therefore it may not be worth it um, 
you know, to spend, let's say a few thousand dollars, five, six thousand dollars to get a study done, you know, and your tax benefit is going to be, I don't know, 20, 30, $40,000. You have to weigh that. Is it worth it? Is it not? That's, um, you know, a decision. Okay, perfect. Awesome. Uh, Lily is going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? Uh, sure. All right, Yona. What is the one tool that you use in real estate investing that you could not do without? I think this right now, Zoom, right? What we're doing right now is incredible. I mean, I, I can't say I can't do without it, but I think it's tremendous the value that it provides to really, you know, we're, <laughs> you're on the West Coast, we're on the East mm -hmm. Coast. Wouldn't be able to do this really. Um, yeah, I'm not going to hop on a plane to see you. And that's, I think, <laughs> I think you would agree um, that this is something that's really changed the game a lot in getting to know people and doing business with people around the world. Yeah, I agree. Can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing so far and the main takeaway for our listeners? Sure. You know, um, when I was actually a real estate broker for a while, uh, it's not really in terms of investing, but I think this can go can very much fit with investing as well. As I did a deal with a broker, a joint brokerage, a different firm, and I had a bad feeling from the get-go. I just had a gut feeling. And you know, when you have that gut feeling about the integrity of a person, you just have to go with it. You have to trust mm -hmm. your gut. And I didn't. And my partner at the time also felt something, but we're like, you know, we've been dealing with this property for months. He's got a buyer. Let's just, you know, let's just uh, work together. And, you know, that gut feeling was there and it didn't go away. And in the end of the day, the guy ended up like cheating us and stealing several thousand dollars from us um, in the deal as part, <laughs> which, you know, was really expected. But I think I learned my lesson when you have that gut feeling about, you know, a person, you have to just go with it. Yep. Good advice. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? Continue learning every day. Um, just never stop learning. That's why I love these podcasts you guys are doing and so many others. There's so much information out there and just meeting with the right people and continue learning. Love it. And finally, where can people find out more about you? You can connect with me LinkedIn. It's a great place. I'm pretty active there on a daily basis. Bigger Pockets as well. Excellent website. A lot of information there. Check me out there. Um, or feel free to reach out via email, telephone if you want an estimate on your property, you can find me there. Perfect, great, thanks for really simplifying cost segregation for us and the endless benefits. Lots of value here, and I'm sure our listeners will be replaying this episode a few times, so you <laughs> and I, I have been great. I tend, to talk, I tend to talk fast as well, so they might have <laughs> Awesome, it's been great having you on our show, thank you. Thanks, Yona. Thank you guys, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the passive income through multifamily real estate podcast and to get access to today's show notes and to previous shows, visit limitless-estates.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.